So in about two weeks is the, the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came, and it's 50 days after, the, after um, Jesus was risen from the dead. And so um, we're going to read that story today, but uh, we're in our last week of the series, The Elephant in the Room, which has been great. How many people enjoyed the talk about mental health last week? That was really great. Good job, everyone. Most of you did great. Um, just kidding. Everyone did great. Everyone did great. Everyone's great. It's fine. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, what do, how do we respond in a culture that is so polarized, so divisive, and is so to the left or to the right, so far away from each other. And if you've noticed anything in culture over the last since I've been born, um, it seems like that it, life, we're becoming more separate, more um, holding our own ranks, and more divided in so many ways as a country and as a people. So we're going to talk a little bit today about what it means to be a follower of Christ in a culture that's so divided and so polarized. We're going to talk today about how we should be Switzerland. Ever been in a fight? Ever been in a fight and uh, or an argument or there's someone that does not like conflict, like maybe me, and they say, "I'm just going to be Switzerland on this one, guys. I'm just going to be Switzerland." Anyone heard that? So famously, Switzerland has kind of has been a country uh, that has always kind of remained neutral in so many ways, uh, for good and bad ways, not always like clean cut. Um, but if 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 I have one trip that I want to do in my life. Um, someday it's going to be a Swiss, Swiss Alps tour where you just eat chocolate and ride bikes and look at the mountains. Doesn't that sound good? You guys can all come with. So you got to pay your own way, though. So no freeloaders. So for Switzerland's this great uh, country full of uh, chocolate and watches and uh, beautiful views. And if you see scenery, I mean, it's like the most gorgeous place, in my opinion, on earth besides Colorado. And, um, but, but famously, Switzerland has been this country that's remained neutral in so many ways throughout this, the last hundred years. You know, in World War I, when everyone was taking sides and they were rallying, uh, they stayed neutral. In World, World War II, too, probably, not the best, probably not the best thing to stay neutral in World War II, but they stayed neutral. And then they've also famously uh, taken in people from all over the world, refugees and people that have no home, and they've just kind of been this place that has not taken two crazy sides, left or right or up or down, or however you want to talk about it, and they've just stayed somewhat neutral. So, so how are we supposed to uh, function as followers of Jesus in a culture that's so divided? And I would suggest, and we'll talk about this, that we are to be a little bit more in the middle. That we are to be more, as followers of Jesus, more neutral than we are polarized. That we're supposed to be more central than we are to be in other ways. I'm not just saying politics, but just in general. So we're going to talk about this. Are you guys nervous? You should be. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. I'm going to pray. That's a good idea. Lord, would you just speak your words now and your truth? God, thank you, Lord, that in a culture that wants us to be outraged, a culture that wants us to take a position, a culture that wants us to choose sides, God, I pray that we would just really focus on the main thing, the love that comes from you, the love that we have for all people that your spirit, God, would speak to us and reveal your truth in your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Acts chapter 1, the story that we just heard about, the ascension. So ascension happens in, in all the Gospels, but also happens in Acts chapter 1, different accounts of it. And it says, in my, former, in my former book, Theophilus, a lot of people think that Luke wrote the book of Acts. 
So if you read Luke, it kind of has the same cadence. Luke was a doctor. So Luke was very much about the details and about the specifics of what was going on. John's all about love. So if you read John, it's just lovey-dovey. You're just like, oh, John, you know. But Luke was like down to it. So it says, I wrote about all the things that Jesus had began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the disciples he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the, the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating, um, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he said, no, don't do anything. I'm going. Don't do anything till the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit is going to be my words. It's going to be my spirit. It's, he's, he's going to live and abide inside of you and so that you'll have access to me all the time. It's going to be amazing. But don't do anything without that. Okay? That's a good lesson. Then in verse 6 it says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you, going, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? That is the big question. So Jesus had died. There was no hope. All of a sudden, he's alive. The tomb is empty. Oh my gosh, there's hope. And mostly what they want to know is, when are you going to restore Israel? When are you going to restore Israel? See, we've been in captive for hundreds of years, right? The thousand years before of, of Israel is like, captive, get free, captive, get free, screw it up, captive, get free, Right? When are you going to finally make us free? We are your people. You are the Messiah. See, the Messiah was supposed to come and had been prophesied for thousands of years that the Messiah would come and restore Israel, set it free as a people, and, would, and, and that the king would come and set up rule and would be in charge and when everything would be great and it would be wonderful. And then they met this guy, and for three years they followed him, and they saw him do amazing things, and that revolutionized the world. And they saw him suffer, and they're like, well, I guess that was it. It was a good run. But then, he's alive, and oh my gosh, he's alive, it's real. Okay, Jesus, let's do this. Become king, set up your kingdom, let's, let's do it. See, at that time, that is what the Jewish people wanted. That's what the disciples wanted. That was the goal. That was the prophecy. But Jesus who always just, you know, kind of trying to throw that curveball at us. Have you ever asked God about something and then he tells you something different that you didn't ask for? You know? Like one time I was like, God, why does this happen? And, what's, and why did this person, whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, I love you. And I was like, okay, that, didn't, that wasn't answering my question, but thank you, you know? <laughs> and here they are waiting. He's about ready to leave. They're gathered around, and he said, Lord, are you going to take out the Romans? Let's get the Romans out of here. Let's get the Romans out of here. Let's get all the mess out of here, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, people jockeying for control and trying to you know, take care of their own position and their own side. And see, the reason why the Pharisees hated Jesus so much was not just because they were jerks, but because they were in, uh, possibly going to lose their control. They were possibly going to lose their power. And everything that Jesus taught made the, them weaker. It made their power structure and the thing that they had controlled people with for so long, it made it weaker. 
Because Jesus said, no, 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 no. The kingdom is going to come, and the kingdom is going to restore all people, and it's going to care for all people. And we're going to care for the sick, and we're not going to be so worried about those sinners. We're going to worry about loving and caring and helping each other treat people right. So he's, they're all excited. Lord, let's do this. There's, there's the temple. Let's restore it. Let's rebuild it. Let's get it done. Then he says, because Jesus likes to do this, it is not for you to know the times and the date that the Father has set for his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he said, and he, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. How about that? I know we read that and we're like, oh, that's so sweet. Jesus left and he's come back. It's like, no, no, this guy that was dead is alive and is like their guy. And he was supposed to come and he's supposed to fix the society that we live in. He's supposed to fix the government. He's supposed to fix the injustice. He's supposed to fix everything. He's supposed to become king and now he's gone. And it says in the next verse, which I don't have on, it says they are straining their eyes to see him still. Why? Because they missed him? Maybe. I think they're like, what? What's happening? What? That's what I would do. And he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses. See, what happens each and every day in your news cycle and mine, in my Facebook page, in yours, and whatever cable news you watch or don't watch, is every morning has a new thing that you are supposed to be the most outraged about. This person said this. This person voted this way. This is happening in this state. This is happening in this country. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's designed to create outrage in you. It's designed to offend you. It's designed to make you angry. It's to elicit an emotional response. The news cycle, the culture, is designed for us to be up on something, a soapbox of some sort each day. And then the next day it changes, Right? I mean, the last year of my life has been like, oh yeah, this is the thing. And it's like, but this is even worse. Oh my gosh. And I'm just like rising to soapbox to soapbox. And this is how the disciples were. Exact same thing. I'm sick of Rome controlling our lives. I'm sick of the Sadducees and the Pharisees trying to control our religion. And Jesus here said, he is free. This is so great. Now fix it. And then he leaves. And he says, no, no, no. What you think is the main thing is not what is happening all around you in the news cycle. What hap- what's happening all around you in, in as cultural wars or whatever XYZ thing that you and I might be excited and fired up about. What does he say? He responds and he says, listen, that's great. God's going to take care of all that. But I'm going to go. I need you to be my witnesses. See, what you see is such a temporal fix, like I'm going to become king. What you see as the most important thing ever was so small compared to what Jesus thought. He's like, no, no, no. that's fine, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to do something that changes the whole world, not just a country. He says, the main thing that we do as followers of Jesus is we are witnesses of Christ, witnesses for Christ. We are ambassadors. We are hands and feet and words of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit was given to you and I. And as so many people are saying, are you going to stand, where's all the people talking about this issue? What about this? Where are you on this issue? 
Jesus is like, that's fine. Yeah, be my witnesses. He says, you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And the way that, the way that translates it, you'll be my witness in Fort Collins, northern Colorado, in Colorado, and then wherever else you get to go. And with social media, we, I have friends in Myanmar, and I have friends in Austria, and I have friends all over the world that I get to talk to any time of the day, right? And Jesus is reminding us, and he's, I think, in more than ever, he's saying, culture wants you to rise up to this occasion, to rise up on this issue, to be outraged about this, to be violent about that, and he says, that's so great. Remember the main thing. You are my witnesses. You are the only hope for this world. Because I have given you my spirit. So what you do and what you say, you represent me. You speak on my behalf. You model for the world who is so full of chaos and has such little peace how to live. So while each day you wake up and it's like, oh, it's this thing now. Here's the issue here. Isn't that the worst? And then Tuesday, oh, how can you even care about this anymore? This is even bigger. Right? You all feel it, don't you? I feel it. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, and we, this, is, this is a profound um, book, the book of Proverbs. If you want to know how you should react in the culture that is going on today, because it's been kind of going on for thousands of years, read the book of Proverbs. It'll tell you how to live, how to think, what to say. It says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. So if I'm continually offended by this, and outraged by this, and upset with this, and this person's the villain, and this, no, this side's the villain, this one, yeah, blue or red, one of the two is the villain. If you do not guard your heart, it says, keep your mouth from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight forward. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths to your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. And what is Jesus' heart for us as people of Jesus, people of God? I think... We should be way more neutral. I think we should be way more central. I think a culture that's trying to tell you this is absolutely what this issue is only is lying to you. Because you'll meet people that are as passionate and have read as much and have as much education that are on this side and they think, no, 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 no. The right way to do it is this. So how are we supposed to do it? How are we supposed to believe? I was watching, there was a story and I watched one station and it told me one thing, literally one thing. I was like, wow, that's awful that that's happening. And then I switched it, and it was the same story was on the next station. And I was like, okay, yeah. And then it was like the totally different news story. I had no, like, what do you believe? No wonder we're stressed. No wonder we're anxious. No wonder we don't know. No wonder we feel this gumption. I should post something. I should say something. I should rise up to something. I should respond to something because it's the life we live in. It's the culture we live in. And Jesus is saying, just like disciples, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Hey, be my witnesses. Yeah, kingdom, yeah, we'll set that up someday. It's going to be great. Be my witnesses. As followers of Jesus, the saddest thing that I see 
is that the church is known way more for what they're against than for what they're for. Like if I meet people, they ask me if I'm against these three things all the time. I'm like, what a sad, sad thing that my Jesus that did everything he could to involve everyone and to love everyone and to die for every single person is known for what he is against. Which is not the point. And you know why that has happened? It's not because of him. It's because of me. It's because I have tied my faith to a thing or to an activistic position or to a side. And when you do that, you alienate the other half. Even if your side in your own conscious feels like it's the right side, you destroy your witness with the other half. And so you have to ask yourself, are we the disciples? All right, Lord, fix it all. Elect that guy or that girl. Put in that legislation, do this thing. That's going to fix it. Do we believe that? Because ultimately that has never happened. The thing that fixes things is the changing of people's hearts the transformation of someone's mind and heart to love others. I used to work, I grew up in North Dakota. I got a degree, and my degree was in emphasis on broadcast journalism, so I worked in news for my first two years out of college, which was so fun. You know, you're like at fires, and I mean, not fun for people that are going through the fires, but it was so fun to be like, whoa, look at that fire, you know? And uh, you meet politicians, and, and I, and I Growing up and doing journalism is so different than it is now because we were, the main thing that we were always taught is that you should never hear your opinion in your story. In journalism, you should never, they should never know where I stand on any issue, right? That, that's the thing that saddens me, it frustrates me. I like basically don't want to watch news because it's not journalism anymore. If you watch like those old movies, like if you watch uh, like old journalism movies where they're like pounding the pavement and like trying to get the story, and it was just it was about the story, about telling the truth, telling what's right. That's not what is going on. So if you are being like, "Oh, this is the truth here," it's you're deceived because it's not what's going on. It's the news cycle is made to make money. The news cycle is made to elicit a response. You keep watching and you keep buying the things that are on that channel. Do you realize that? That's the ugly truth of it. I worked in a, I worked in a community with, in a newsroom with people from all over the country because it was like a really small market and so people were just trying to get any job they couldn't, could so they came to Bismarck. And there was people on every walk of life, every background, everything, and I knew no one's political views. We just ran the stories. This is what's going on. And it saddens me, I think, that I can tell a person's politics before I can tell what's going on in their heart. I can tell a person's stance or how they lean more than I know who they actually are. What are they passionate about? So this might make you frustrated, but God doesn't need your activism to make things right in the world. God doesn't need your judgment to be the judge. God doesn't need you even to take a stand for him I think sometimes we feel like we just stand up for God. Well, if I don't stand up for him, then what's going to happen? Nothing. It's going to be fine. (laughs) God doesn't need us to legislate morality. And people will never change their hearts by your stance. 
They will change their hearts by your love for them. That makes no sense. So what does that mean? So does that mean that we become unpassionate about things? Because I know you're frustrated with me right now. I can feel it. No, obviously not. Does that mean that we don't have that we don't have opinions about issues or have convictions about issues? No, obviously not. But it means that the main thing stays the main thing. That if my stance divides, it's not Christ. If my stance doesn't build a relationship, it's not Christ. If my post creates 500,000 comments that are just divisive and not helping, that's not Christ. Do we become passionate about things? Absolutely. But Jesus came and he said, hey, don't put your sword away. You don't need to, you don't need to chop anyone's ear off. And he came and he said things like, hey, you know that anime of yours that you really want to hate? No, you don't get to hate them anymore. You see that person there that says, that asks for your coat? I want you to give them everything you have. Do you know that you will be blessed when you are persecuted? Do you realize that you do not get to check off anyone from your list? And if your stance or your opinion or the thing that you are known for is dividing and pushing people away from the witness of Christ, and that is not Jesus. Then you're tying yourself to this thing called Christendom, which is Christian culture, and not the gospel. And when you cling to, we become like the Pharisees. We've got to cling to this thing the way it was. When I grew up, everyone went to church. We've got to cling to that. No, we don't. Jesus said, don't cling to those things. You are my witnesses. You are the person that will see Jesus through you. Be that person. Because guess what? They vote your way. They legislate your way. Everything's great. You know what? There's still going to be brokenness. There's still going to be dysfunction. Because the only thing that changes a community and a people is love. The love of Jesus, which is perfect. So what should you be passionate about? What should break your heart? What should get you fired up? We call it holy discontent. What is the thing that is so close to God's heart that you just can't stand it anymore? What is so close to the heart of Jesus that we just ha- I have to do something about this? Typically, it's tied to people because God loves people most of all. And God is not afraid of one political party taking over or not. And God is not afraid of any group of people moving into any part of the community ever. God is not worried about fences and gates and walls ever. He worries and he loves and his heart breaks for people who need to be shown the love of God. And if your stance dictates the way you see a person, then that is not the gospel. That is you trying to protect and guard a culture that is not the kingdom. Because the kingdom is coming through us. The kingdom doesn't look like a democracy or whatever else thing. It looks like the kingdom because Jesus is the king. Now you're really excited, aren't you? (laughs) So you should have holy discontent. When we had our second daughter, or our first daughter, our second child, Ella, and she has Down syndrome, and we're like, what is this world? We don't know anything about this. And then we got very passionate 
that people with special needs are treated with the most respect and dignity than anyone else. Because it was the heart of God for this world. And I cared very little about certain things, and that really mattered, right? So your activism, the thing you're fired up about, the thing you're most excited about, make sure that it's tuned in to the main thing, that you are the witness of Jesus for this city, for, the, for your workplace. And if your stance or your post or your whatever alienates another person or divides an office or, or puts this, you're on this side, and now you're on this side, that is not what Jesus did because Jesus would sit at tables with tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees, and I don't know how that worked out. Or he'd be at the highest flutant Pharisee's house and then the prostitute was crying at his feet. So how do we respond? This is a good thing to do. First thing would be to pause before you respond. Oh my gosh, what? This sucks. How many people have typed something up in an email and or Facebook post and then deleted it? That is wisdom. Good job. <laughs> Literally this week, I think I wrote an email four times, and it got shorter and nicer every time I wrote it. That is wisdom. <laughs> Proverbs 18 says this. It says 18.12. An unfriendly person pursues selfish end, and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Whew. Someone should post that on your computer. Put that on your computer right above where you post things. <laughs> Breathe and pray. There's so many times where I stop posting something and I just pray, like, Lord. So it helps me remember my battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Maybe I believe this thing really passionately this side of this position or this issue but like it's not going to change anyone's heart so I need to pray I need to breathe last week one of the main takeaways I think Christy said it was when you're in there's a moment with your kids you take the first three minutes are not the moments where you fix it right what do you do you take deep breaths you, it's okay let's use that for this too it's okay. If I say this, it's not going to fix this person's problem. Probably. Proverbs 18 says, The tongue has the power of life and death in it, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So being wise about what you say, being cautious, being speaking less is more. The power of what, life and death is found in what you say. Because you and I could all, I could pass the mic around and you could, you could tell me something that someone said to you that just changed your life in a great way and then someone, something said, something someone said to you that changed your life in a bad way, right? Because our words are the most profound thing that we have. And when we speak our words, they have so much influence. And Jesus is just reminding us you don't have to be passive about everything. You don't have to not care about issues or, or just put your head in the sand or close your door and lock it and not help or not do whatever. He's not saying any of that. He's just saying, just be wise. Power of life and death is found in what you say. You can unite as well as divide. You can 
lift up or you can pound down. You can push the margins further away or you can maybe try to find some common ground together. Second thing, so the first thing, pause, pray, breathe. Next one is make sure your focus is the main thing. A person, this is, says in Proverbs 21, a person may think their ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Have you ever changed your mind on an opinion? I do it all the time. Usually what happens is I learn something else about an th- issue or about a situation. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that changes everything. I believe that when it comes to issues or s- politics or whatever, the truth is in the middle somewhere, Right? That's not what we hear. Or a good solution would be in the middle somewhere. That's not what we hear. But when we think about, yeah, I get on that side. When you learn, when you listen, oh, I get that side. Okay, yeah, the truth's in the middle somewhere. Right? But that's not how the culture works. So you and I have the responsibility to decide, is the thing that we're so fired up about the main thing? Does the thing that you're so passionate about or the thing that you, that's eliciting emotional responses in you, is it, t- is it turning you back to Jesus and focusing on the main thing or is it making you jump on one of the bandwagons on whatever side or place or wherever? You know what the world needs so desperately right now is people that are not on a bandwagon. They need sound people who will be willing to care what, about people first and then be willing to listen and learn second. People first. So you gotta find your holy discontent. You gotta find the thing that breaks God's heart. A couple good things that are holy discontent things. Anything that marginalizes people is a holy discontent thing. Anything that doesn't care for children, God is, Jesus is so clear about caring for children. Anything that doesn't care for the least of these, those who don't have what we have, we should care about that. That you can get on your high horse for in humility. <laughs> Just drop that in there. James says this, those who consider themselves religious, I don't really like that word, but that's the word in there, and yet do not keep a tight rein of their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. So if, you don't, if, you're, if you're spouting left, right, north, south, east, and west, it might not be the best witness of Christ. And it says, religion that the fa- God the Father accepts is pure and faultless, and it's this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That gives us a good little start. People who can't fight for themselves, who can't help themselves, people that don't have a voice, but we do. That's who we stand up for. So make sure that your focus is the main thing. And if you watch just one cable news channel, watch two. Or don't watch any. Like, this is not very spiritual, but I would stick to the main news stations. Like the ones my, our parents watched. Because even though they might like that, they're probably a little bit more honest about what their truth is than ones who are trying to sell so much advertising over here. Can I say that? Cool. Last thing. This is the most important thing. We got to go. Relationship always wins over argument. Relationship always wins over argument. You will never change someone's heart by your post or your stance. 
You will change someone's life by your love and your commitment to them. Proverbs 15 says this, a gentle answer turns away from wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is the tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. These are so good. Read the book of Proverbs. The best thing you can do if you disagree with someone's position is not to get on whatever platform, but to say, hey, let's have coffee. Help me understand your perspective on this. And listen. And learn. As followers of Jesus, we should have no problem being in a relationship with people that have different opinions than us. This should not even be 1% of an issue. Even people that are jerks. <laughs> Especially people who are jerks. As followers of Jesus, we should not have a problem. We should not be like, oh, I probably can't sit and meet with that person because they're, you know, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> We should never have that issue. Because that is not, you are, you're just like the disciples. God, when are you going to fix everything? He's saying, no, 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 you have the Holy Spirit. Be my witnesses. Care more about the person than the stance and the position. Care more about their heart. Why, did you, why do you think that way? What, what, did you, what happened in your life? Help me to understand. I don't think you're right or wrong. Maybe I'm just trying to, I just want to know. Share your perspective. In relationship, you can get through a lot. I tell people, hey, if your stand on this is going to, just wreck our relationship. I don't want to talk about that because it's not that important. What's more important to me than this issue is you as a person. To love you and to help you and to share Christ's love with you and to show Christ's love to you. So listen. Share your side. Be respectful. Be so respectful. Love your enemy. Turn the other cheek. Value your relationship over this position. So you and I get, you and I live in a hard time to be a father of Jesus, I think. But we live in a great time because we get to really not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And we just get to be witnesses of Christ. We need to share and love and encourage. And that has way more impact than anything you will ever post, Ever. Do you understand that? Do you vote? Yes. Do you get involved in nonprofits that do great things? Absolutely. Do you become passive towards the issues of our day? No. You learn, you understand, you grow, you refine and tune your positions and your thought. Have an answer for what you believe for what you believe the king is what the gospel says. Have an answer. Know what you believe, you know, but be so, so, so careful that we do not go to the left or to the right or to up or to down, that we just stay on the path that Christ has for us and we remember the main thing. God, are you going to set up your kingdom now? Are you going to fix it all now? He's like, no. You go be my witness. Because the impact that that had on the world is impacting you and I right now. And for years to come until Christ returns. So let's pray. You guys can come up. Lord Jesus, we're just uh, so grateful for you. Um, thank you, God, that we don't have to navigate this life alone. We don't have to navigate this culture alone. We don't have to tie ourselves to things that might feel like the right thing, but we can really connect so much to you. We can connect to you 
God, help us to remember the main thing. Help us to remember that you've said, hey, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and be my witnesses. Wherever you go, heal and cast out and encourage and love. Don't divide, but unite. Don't try to hang on to power, but freely let go so you can serve. Jesus, who, who had every right to be the God, chose to give up all of his power and all of his authority so he could come to you and to I as a servant. He could come to you and I and just love and die for you and I. And he said, now go and do the same. Go and give up your power, give up all the things you're trying to control. Give up your fear of a certain thing happening and just let God fill you and be his witness. Be his ambassador wherever you go. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for every heart here that we would have holy discontent for the things that break your heart, that we would be, we would be restless for the things that really are not your heart, for people that are in trouble, that are marginalized, that are hurting. God, your heart is for people. And if our hearts are not for people, God, change our hearts. If our hearts are not focused on what you're focused on, change our hearts, Lord, we need that. Humble us. Humble us, Lord. Help us to admit we might be wrong. Help us to admit we might be right. God, do a work in our hearts right now. God, I pray that when people look upon these faces, these people in their workplace, in their homes, in your communities, they would not think about what they are for or what they are against. But they would see them and they, they would know them by their love. That every person in here would be known for their love. Because the command is that they will know we are Christians, they will know we are followers of Jesus, not because of our stance or how we voted, but by our love for others. Across every aisle and every alley and every city, every race, every background, every belief. We are witnesses to the love of Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us to re-shift our hearts towards that. So as we sing, Lord, I pray that you just would work in our hearts now. As we, as we sing this song, just stay seated and just in this time of prayer. And, you know, I'm so, I believe so heavily in God, the prayer, the most important prayer, God changing my heart. Where do I need to shift my heart? Where do I have to change my perspective? Where do I need to become a little bit more focused on the main thing? So as we sing this, just take that time to think and process and let the Lord speak.